Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. The early returns coming out of Philadelphia, they're the only franchise to fire a doc for a nurse. It's Wes that was pretty good. I got to give it up. And Walker. I really like that. Yeah, that was pretty I'm ashamed good. to tell you how much I like it, but I do. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Thank you very much, Fiddy. He'll be here all week, folks. to go on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Not done working after the show, though. We're going to be out there at Graham Street Party. Pop. If you can call it working, you're right. We're going to be partying out there for the Michelob Ultra Party we got at Graham Street Pub. We're going to be handing out beers. How awesome is that? That's, a, that's the kind of work that I want to roll with, okay? We're going to be out there. We're going to be there at 645, around 7 o'clock, that's just right. to give us a nice buffer. We're going to be out there at 7 we're going to be watching the Charlotte Hornets get a victory tonight. That's right. I said victory against the New Orleans Pelicans. And if they don't, then, oh, well, at least we have beer. But we're <laughs> going to be watching them take on the New Orleans Pelicans. So hopefully they can bounce back after losing a ton of games in a row. We're handing out the party favors. That's right. They're starting to get a little healthier, too. So Brandon Miller questionable. Frank Nilakina, who's been hurt this entire season, he's questionable. Mark Williams, Gordon Hayward, they're the only ones listed as just flat out gone from this game they are out they're not going to play everybody else have a shot or they're just not on the injury report cody martin not on the injury report that's a win Lamelo ball not on the injury report that's a win so we're all going to be watching hell with tip at eight against the pelicans and we'll see what the charlotte hornets can do come out and join us it should be a lot of fun this should be a lot of fun too navigating the sound bites of the sports world as always with our captain josh fitty marlowe Live wire connect, connect, get respect for they realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west, up north to the down south, live wire connect. Ooh, we do have a fun and juicy live wire for you guys today. After a shortened version yesterday, I came back with some of the best audio in the world of sports. We'll start with Joe Marino. He joined the guys in the morning, Mac and Bone, to say that there were too many things going wrong around Bryce Young to truly evaluate the rookie quarterback. I think there were some huge hurdles, whether it's the offense just not necessarily ever having an identity, switching play callers multiple times in a, in a young man's rookie season. Uh, the guard play, I think we got to talk a lot about the guard play. The, the Carolina Panthers, uh, would they have seven different right guards and six different left guards? I mean, that's, that's impossible, and that's going to take away from the three best parts of your offensive line which is supposed to be a Kwanu, Moton, and Bozeman as the left tackle, right tackle, and center. When it's a revolving door next to those players, it's hard for those guys to be the best version of themselves. And, you know, for as veteran as the skill players were, not a lot of separation guys, right? You just kind of wonder if it was the right mix for Bryce Young to be able to play good football and develop throughout his first season. I think there was a lot stacked against him that, I'm not sure really any quarterback would have much consistent success under those circumstances, much less a rookie with a lot of with a lot on him, right? With what they traded to get him and being the number one pick and you know, having a chance to to be the guy here in Carolina. 
A lot of things that Joe said we have talked about, chapter and verse, the struggles of the offensive line play, play calling duties being, you know, changing every other week, not a lot of separation at the wide receiver level. But also, this is the NFL, and you get paid a lot of money to overcome those hurdles. When do you think it's fair to judge a quarterback and say he's not good enough to evaluate or overcome those obstacles because there are all the quarterbacks that have a bad offensive line, no running game, lack of wide receiver talent that still play at a higher level than we saw from Bryce this year? I think it's fair in the next two years. Next year, as long as everything gets fixed, the problem next year is if you don't fix the guard problem, which I completely agree with Joe. Biggest issue, in my opinion. Need wide receivers. Icky needs to play better. But when you have that many different combinations at guard, and by the way, none of them were good. None of them were good combinations that you lost out on. Yeah, it's going to be really hard for a smaller QB to see upfield and navigate when there's interior pressure as much as there was. I think that's number one. If I could only fix one thing about this squad to help Bryce Young, I'd like to fix a lot, but I think it would be healthy, competent guard play. That's what I want next year. If he doesn't get it and you still have all these problems, it still might not be completely fair to evaluate what he can do, but then you start to worry about just ruining him outright. Is he ever going to have success here? And if he does have success in the NFL, it might just be with a different NFL team, maybe a little Baker Mayfield style, what we're seeing with Tampa Bay. So that's when I start to worry about what he can do here in Carolina. But I think next year, if they fix it, if we're actually seeing good PFF grades, competent blocking, wide receivers that are getting a little separation, you have a little downfield attack, whatever, and it's still looking not to the expectations, not what we want a number one overall pick to look like, that's when the warning signs will start to show. Yeah, uh, well, I think, too, some passes were given in that statement, too. The guards were bad, sure, but Taylor Moten is the only good pass blocker that they had this season, and then he struggled in the run game. Ike Aquano, we know that the jury is super-duper out on him so far, but the Houston Texans used 15 different offensive linemen during the regular season. Now, five of those players were on the field for fewer than 40 snaps, but that still leaves 10 different guys that you had playing on that line, and so those guys were really on that next man up mentality and stepping up and stepping in and doing what they needed to do, and we're going to get into that more in the next segment, talking about the offensive line uh, for this team, but at the end of the day, yeah, the Panthers are going to have to make a lot of upgrades uh, at the position no question about it. Well, let me ask you this, because it seems like you say that you're still a believer in Bryce, right? Mm -hmm. But then you give some of that evidence to suggest that there aren't any excuses mm -hmm. for Bryce. Where do you fall um, in? Because I don't think anybody's saying that we want to see him be C.J. Stroud. No, not that. I'm just saying that, you know, there are other guys and, like I said, other rookies that had to deal with those types of situations. Well, just but one, no. right? Right, right, right. But I'm saying, and I don't, I mean, we would have to look up data on more teams. There yeah. were a few other rookies that played uh, a decent amount this year, but not a lot. I mean, I'm, uh, this comes to mind, Aiden O'Connell from the Raiders and maybe one or two other guys that got some starts here and there. But day one starters off the rip. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm just saying that with Bryce Young, there's definitely some culpability to go around. Uh, am I as high on him as I once was? Not as much, but I'm still yeah. leaving out hope that he can recapture some of that magic. He just looks to me like a quarterback that's going to need to be thoroughly insulated to be at his best. We talked yesterday about just how damaged Bryce Young was and is after his rookie season with the Panthers. Yesterday, former Panthers quarterback Steve Berline. He joined the Kyle Bailey Show as every former Panther quarterback is obligated 
to do this offseason. Rodney Pete, you're up next. <laughs> yeah. And, and Berline admitted he's worried about Bryce physically and mentally. My concern about Bryce Young well, was um, very simple. I think he's got the ability to, to be a, a, a really good NFL quarterback. Um, I think he's got the, the tools to, to be able to be successful. But the question is, can he hold up physically? Um, you know, he's not a big guy. Um, he's not uh, a super mobile guy like a Kyler Murray, who I have my doubts on, you know, with Kyler Murray as well. I've been very open about uh, my doubts about him from day one, uh, being able to hold up and, and be successful, uh, you know, from a physical perspective. So, um, you know, Bryce, he, he, unfortunately, this year took a lot of hits. I do know what that's like. I've been through it myself. You just hope that what he went through, what he experienced this year, um, is something that he got both mentally and physically uh, will be able to get past. Wes, you definitely soured on Bryce from where we were in the pre-draft process and then where we are now. We saw his body hold up outside of missing the one game, took the big shot, of course, in the loss at Jacksonville. Are your concerns with Bryce now more on the mental side and just how defeated he was during his rookie season? Well, the thing that I think I know about Bryce is that he's got great football character, and I think he'll bounce back and use these experiences to make him a better player. But also, mental health with athletes is real. I know a lot of people think that these players get out there and nothing bothers them and nothing gets to them. But we saw the frustration build on Bryce as the season went from throwing the laptop to some of the, the, the comments and some of the body language that we saw from him late in the season. It definitely wore on him, the physical pounding. And so when you talk about coming into next season, people think it's going to be a clean slate, but it's not. Because everything that has gone on, everything that's been said is going to come rising back to the surface next year. The number one question about the Panthers is going to be, how can Bryce Young be better from what he was in year one? Is he going to be as good as C.J. Stroud? All of that stuff plays into his mentality. And if you don't think it does, then I don't know, you know, what type of professions that you've worked in. But I think for Bryce, the first time in practice, when he throws that interception or he has a rough day of practice, he's going to think about it. See, you're not as good as C.J. People are going to say this. People are going to say that. The first game, especially if he comes out early in the season and has a clunker early in the year, yeah. all those bad thoughts can rise back to the surface for him and get him into a funk. But... As I said, if I think I know Bryce, think I know the type of guy that he is, I would think that he'll be able to use these experiences to propel him to be a better player. It doesn't feel like Bryce Young is going to be able to shake the small reputation that he has until he just is at 35 years old and had played every single season. Because to me, Bryce Young, if there's one thing that there is evidence of this past season, it's that he did hold up despite having maybe the worst offensive line in all of football. And he was, but there was the one game that he didn't play. Reports were that he might have been able to play had they actually been playing significant games down the stretch and there was something on the line, but he didn't go against Seattle. That was Andy Dalton. That was it. Played every single other outing. So he was able to hold up despite the pounding that he took where it was only like two quarterbacks that got sacked more than he did. It's not his size as to why I'm scared about him taking that kind of pounding. It's just the fact that any QB is going to suffer if you take that many hits. Cam Newton did. Cam Newton quite literally is the exact opposite of what Bryce Young was coming out of college. Cam Newton looked like a defensive end and was... I don't even want to say one of like maybe the biggest freak we ever saw come out of college at, at the QB spot. What he was able to do at Auburn was ridiculous and he got hit a lot and he wore down, but his body was way bigger than Bryce Young's. 
I'm not worried about Bryce Young's size as to that being a reason I don't want him to get hit. I don't want him to get hit because it doesn't matter what size you are. That's something that is going to affect you as your career goes on. We're roughly two and a half weeks away from the first Carolina-Duke game of the year, the greatest rivalry in sports in this state's crown jewel. And in the last decade or so, people have tried to claim that the rivalry is dead because of the one-and-done era. And after what Carolina did to Coach K in his final season. But after last night, there may be further proof that it is dead after Jay Williams offered up this honest admission during the Kansas-Oklahoma State game. As we were going to break, I asked if the transfer portal was open. Where would you have gone? Setting me up. So back then, yeah, I would have gone to Georgetown. Okay. I, I would have played for John Thompson. If you're asking me today. Yes. Uh, I know. Hey, this is this is a tough one because I, I don't know if I'll be allowed to go back home. Are you about to say North Carolina? I just like the way they play. Wow. It's a it's a fast-paced style of play. I like it. And they allow R.J. Davis to go. What in the brotherhood? What? You did this to me. This is, this is your fault. This is straight-up awful announcing. John Chambi got Jay Williams excommunicated from the Duke family on Tuesday night. You know, I just got back in the brotherhood. I just got Gosh. back, and, and now I have a feeling I'm going to be out. Is there just further proof that the brotherhood is a faux pas? It's, it, it does not exist? Because there isn't a Carolina person, not even Rashad McCants. A guy that has been literally kicked out of the family, not welcome back. I don't think on the various platforms that guy is given the opportunity to talk on, he would say he would go to Duke if he entered the transfer portal. Man, I thought that that was a pretty honest admission from Jay. But, yeah, man, that was, that was pretty wild uh, for him to say that. But, you know, when Bryce joins the brotherhood, you know, I don't think he'll ever say anything like that. Good news is that he's going to go to Carolina when he's good enough at basketball. So <laughs> that's great because them uncles are going to be in his ear saying, wear the light Carolina blue. Not the oiler blue. I don't care how many hoodies your daddy got. You're wearing the Carolina blue. He trolls blue. us, though, talking about Carolina all the time. Well, I'm sure he does. He'd go through the store. He's like, can I get that Tar Heel shirt? Or he'd be like, uh, he'd be like, I'm about to cheer for my Tar Heel. There you go. And we don't have to do a lot of convincing then. <laughs> it doesn't kid's sound a winner. Like... He's going places. <laughs> Before we move on, yeah, there were two things. He's saying back then he would have gone to Georgetown. I, I, We need to focus on Carolina to some degree. Is he saying that he would have transferred out at that time too? I didn't get the first answer. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Was he saying that, you know, in a portal era, would he have left Duke and gone to Georgetown? That's yeah. what I was wanting clarification on, too. So I, I guess if he were to, it seems like he would have left even then. He talks glowingly about Coach K. He's had a lot of those answers when talking about his motorcycle accident, about how Coach K was there and supported him. And there was a lot there, I think. But... Him saying that he would have gone to Georgetown then, and then even now, maybe gone to North Carolina because he loves the way they play. I, he doesn't want to be there. Jay Williams just flat out does not want to be accepted by the Dukies. I also yeah. didn't know that he was, like, not a part of the brotherhood until he showed back up for the reunion night whenever Coach K retired. Of course, we got the gif of him calling the timeout when we made it a 93-81 game. But yeah, that's what they do in Duke, man. They just... They kick out their own. By the way, last thing. Are we so sure that Rashad McCants wouldn't have transferred out? Maybe not gone to Duke, but he would he, have transferred out. Well, but, but he wouldn't have gone to Duke. Like, he may have gone to but also he has a like championship. UConn or something like that, but he wouldn't have gone to the rival. I saw NC State has a defensive back that's uh, going to Carolina. Yeah. 
All right, we're starting to see it. It's going to be interesting when, once we get into that in, in the basketball world. When we have somebody go, and it's going to happen. I know. That's a prominent player. That's right. All right. That'll do it for the live wire. Coming up next, how many changes do we expect to come to this offensive line for Carolina? Is it looking like there's not going to be many? And if that's the case, how much faith do you have that the Panthers can figure it all out next year? That's coming up on Weston Walker, Sports Radio 927, WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And you are listening to the smooth sounds of the Wesson Walker Show. Welcome to Wes and Walker here on Sports Radio 927 yeah, WFNZ. I need to give it to the big dog with that one. The best voice in the Queen City yeah. right there. <laughs> Grab that special person of yours and get ready to watch a little bit of sports and listen to the best sports show. It reminds me of Space Jam when it's Patrick Ewing on the therapy couch and he's asking and the therapist is asking, has it, have you... Find, found yourself unable to perform and then you hear the voice of God yeah <laughs> in the bedroom hell no what you mean yeah that's what Patrick Ewing reminds that that voice that kind of voice like this yeah. that's what it reminds the me. type of voice that you have Walker like I said I compliment you all the time so we need to get him some blue chew for Patrick Ewing that the voice is made for suit. trailers and all types of special stuff man this is a special voice that I'm working with here okay Thank you, man. Right. I appreciate that. If I Thank you. We have a couple of award winners here with Mike Salarte. Yeah. I get the Wes Bryant Best Voice of the Year Award. That's right. And that's, that's the right. only thing that matters to me. Thank that's you very right. much. I appreciate that. Keep the text coming on the text You too. I'm sorry. 704-570-9610. Get on the socials. Yeah. Hit that follow button. WFNZ on X or Twitter, whichever you prefer, and Instagram, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at HTB underscore Josh, and at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram, and most importantly, the Wesson Walker page on Twitter. Hit that follow button. Come out and see us tonight, Graham Street Pub, 645. We're going to be out there handing out brewskis, watching the Hornets, chilling out with the people, tripping out, man. We're, we're very nice, pleasant guys to be around, so we think that you should uh, come and join us. All right. I think so. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so we were talking about the offensive line a little bit in the last segment, and so... You look at the Panthers, and, and they put out an article on Panthers.com, and it's entitled, Health and Continuity Will Be Keys for Offensive Line in 2024. And to me, that titling was a little bit misleading because it made it sound like that that was just really the ailment of this line was just injuries, uh, attrition, whichever way you want to put it. And we talked about the Panthers used seven different players at left guard, eight different players at right guard in 2023. They had to play a total of 14 different linemen uh, on offense this year. Some of the players talked about how 
it was troublesome and it can be troublesome when an offensive line, listen, as a, a former offensive lineman myself, I know that continuity uh, is important. And so they talked about the stability hurting some of the guys who uh, were on the line and available for all the contests. Ike Aquano, 10 games uh, without giving up a sack and gave up six all of last season in 2022. He gave up 11 sacks this season. Now, I don't think that the attrition and the uh, the guard play was a big factor in that, but I know that it can play a little bit of a factor. But when you look at the playoff teams and to their point, what they're trying to bring up is that they put out a chart to show the total number of offensive line used during the regular season and the number of linemen who played 90% and 80% of their total offensive snaps. And so, as I said, the Panthers used 14 players and three of them played 100% of the snaps. And that was Icky, Taylor Moten, and Bradley Bozeman. But just for a couple of examples, the teams we're going to see this weekend, Baltimore used the total of nine offensive linemen. Only one played 90% of the snaps, three played 80. Buffalo, eight linemen they used this year, five played 90%, five played 80%. San Francisco, nine, two played 90%, two played 80%, so you get it there. And then we talked about the Houston Texans using 15 uh, different offensive linemen. And so it's been said that this free agent offensive line class isn't that great, but it also depends on who you ask. But if you want to attack the interior uh, of this offensive line, some of the top names to be available, according to PFF at center, you have Connor Williams of the Dolphins, Andre James of the Raiders, Lloyd Cushenberry of the Broncos. That would be uh, a fun name. That's your top three there. Kevin Zeitler of the Ravens, Robert Hunt of the Dolphins, John Runyon Jr. from the Packers. And that's your top three there. So, whether or not this is or is not a great free agent class is going to depend on what the Panther strategy is. And let's just go with the assumption that it's not going to be a great free agency class. And the way that the Panthers worded this and some of the verbiage you saw from some of the players, it seems like that maybe not a lot of changes could be coming on the offensive line front. How big of a mistake would that be, Walker Mail? It would be a pretty big one because I – it, yeah, the, the the misleading aspect of this is the fact that they think it was just health as to the reason why they struggled so much. Yes, which I don't agree with. I, I think I think it certainly contributed. I think Brady Christensen probably helps. He's a better guard than he's whatever an upgrade else. Upgrade than anything yep. else you have. Yeah, and it doesn't make him a superstar, way. but he's a better guard. And so if you're counting that for sure, I, I just I'm a little worried about Austin Corbett suffering the Matt Paradis effect. So if you remember, Matt Paradis was one of the best centers in the league with the Denver Broncos, has the ACL injury. They go out and they get him. What was this, like five years ago now? And he struggled, was never the same after that injury, and was never a guy that you could rely on to stop interior pressure as that center for Carolina. And I just hope that didn't happen with Austin Corbett. Now, it's not fair to Austin to just say, hey, it happened one time to an offensive line lineman in Carolina. He was never the same. So that means it's going to be the same exact thing for you. But we know that Corbett did not look great when he came back, despite having a really good year the previous season. Not all pro or pro bowl, but really good. He didn't look like that when he was back in the lineup. And then he got hurt again. Yeah. A little bit of a setback, not crazy serious, but you decide to hold off on him going out there again because you're not playing for anything. The ultimate goal is for now to him to be healthier next year, and hopefully that helps out. Here's the other thing, too, Wes. This is the tough conversation nobody really wants to have that pulls for the Panthers. Bradley Bozeman is a great community guy. 
We love him. His wife is a social media follow that you have to follow if you live in the city of Charlotte. They're great. They're great people. They're fun. He also struggles in pass protection. And if we care about blocking for Bryce Young, I'm not even so much looking at run blocking. I'm not ignoring that that's that's an important part of football. I get it. But if the conversation here is to protect Bryce Young, you have one guy that's flat out good at pass protection, and that's Taylor Moten. Iki Kwanu was certainly below average. Then you have to go way down if you want to use PFF as your evaluation tool. Christensen didn't even play enough snaps to count towards the other guys. The filter is non-existent. Where do you find Bradley Bozeman here? Bozeman is way at the bottom. He got an under 50 pass blocking grade. He just won good. We saw him get beat constantly. And I don't, I don't take joy and pride in saying that Bradley Bozeman wasn't good. He just wasn't for Bryce Young. So if Corbett comes back, you're hoping that he's the same player pre-injury. You're hoping that Christensen can hold up. You're hoping that Bozeman is better. It was a good offensive line a couple of years ago. But, Wes, I think, man, to risk your future, to risk your quarterback with saying as long as everybody's healthy, we'll be good. I don't think they're going to. Just because the article is misleading in that regard, they're going to get help, I think, offensive line-wise. I just I hope they get the right kind of help that allows Bryce Young to have some time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so uh, for this team, it's going to be interesting to see the way that they go about doing this because, like we said, there's the biggest issue at hand as to are you going to move Icky inside? What's that going to look like? Uh, if you decide to do that, who's going to replace him on the line? Then also, what's the method in which you're going to go about fixing this offensive line? Is it going to be you spend high draft capital? Is your first pick at 33 going to be spent on an offensive lineman? Are you going to go out and sign two to three guys in free agency? What's going to be your method in which you fix this offensive line? I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating things to me to see how they go about doing this because in Carolina's history, there were several years, especially with the Cam Newtons of the world, to where the offensive line, people felt like that they didn't go about addressing it properly, and they did spend some draft capital on it, but never seemed like they were just going all out to go and fix the offensive line. And I think that's one of those off-seasons, or this is one of those off-seasons that that needs to happen. And so uh, moving on from the playoff action this weekend, and so Troy Aikman said during the Philadelphia Eagles contest, and I, th- I thought this was an interesting comment by him, he said – Well, having been on the end of it, when you get to the postseason and you lose the first round, it's an empty feeling. And really, when you had the expectations that the Eagles had this year, you're no different than the New England Patriots, the Carolina Panthers, or any of these other teams that didn't have near the season, didn't win near the games. But the only thing you have to say for your year is you got to play one more game than they did. And so I thought that that was a pretty interesting comment to compare a playoff team who loses in their first game and saying when they had the expectations that Philadelphia had, and then you go and lose a game that you're no different than some of the worst teams in the league. Did you agree with that? And I I posed the question to the text line, would you rather have made the playoffs and lost the first game than to have the type of season that you had this year? And I know know what the answer to this question is going to be and why, (laughs) but I just wanted us to G-check Troy Aikman collectively, so to speak. What do you think about that comment? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Are you serious? Like I, yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm yeah. not, I don't know what Troy Aikman was talking about. I, maybe the Eagles specifically feel 
some similar amount of pain as Panthers fans feel after the collapse. But we've been dealing with it a lot longer than what they have. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Eagles fans had to deal with it for six weeks. We had to deal with it the last six years. As long as David Tepper is on the franchise. Not getting to the postseason at all. We haven't had one game. Mm -hmm. They had one game and yeah, they went home. I'm sorry. It does not equate to what Panthers fans have experienced the last six seasons. Plus, okay, even if you really wanted to try to compare the two, it's not just one more game. It is a game with more meaning than any other regular season contest that you just played. I think playoff experience matters a ton. We had been talking about that a lot for the Charlotte Hornets, just to get to the play-in again, just to get to the playoffs and have that experience. It's something some of the leaders, Terry Rozier, who's experienced that himself with Boston, he's talked about how important that is for some of the young guys on this squad. Wes, it's the same thing for the Carolina Panthers. Playing in one postseason game, even if you barely get there winning a bad division such as Tampa did, that still matters for all of the players on the roster, even especially the younger guys on the roster. So I think that matters a lot. But also think about how you get to the postseason. It's winning more than two games. In this scenario, you have to win at least six more, at least one game below 500 to get there. They were six games away from being one game below 500. That means every other game this year, or at least half of them, are more palatable than getting destroyed and not scoring. So no, I do not find the comparison whatsoever. I think they are leaps and bounds, different galaxies. They're not in the same neighborhood. Now, would it have been apropos if we're talking about a Panthers team? Let's just say four or five years from now. Bryce Young gets it together, becomes a superstar. The Panthers have stars all over the board. They're a Super Bowl favorite after coming off a playoff appearance. They come in the next season as one of the favorites. Let's just say top two, three favorite on a betting board. They come in and lose the first game of the playoffs. Is that it's disappointing is, is that more? Would that be even more disappointing then? I, I guess if you wanted to make the comparison equal from what Troy was saying. Then a two and 15 would it, season. Would it feel as bad as this season does if you were in that scenario? Top two to three Super Bowl favorite. You lose the first game out of the box. No. Okay. It would not feel as disappointing. No. I mean, well, okay. Maybe it would feel disappointing. Yeah. It wouldn't be as painful. They won two games. Yeah. They don't have a first round pick. I know Troy Aikman probably didn't account for that when he made this comparison. So we can even get rid of the fact, even though it's very real, that contributes to the pain that they don't have a first round pick despite being the worst team in the NFL. But no, I would much rather be an awesome football team all season long, get a number one seed, and then get bounced from wildcard weekend because you know why? At least next year, there would be pretty clearly a foundation that would allow you to think of success the next season. Right now, ain't no way you can predict that Carolina is going to make the postseason with any real confidence. Maybe you can do the wild thing. Oh, worst to first. We see it every year. Yeah. Boom. I think Carolina. No, but you can't do that with any kind of confidence. It's still going to be a crazy proposition you're throwing out there. If they lose in the first round next year, you can have some real hope because they were talented enough to get to that position in the first place. Fiddy, what's a worst comment? What Troy Aikman said or Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt trying to convince people that the Panthers-Packers game still had, I mean, not the Panthers, the Cowboys-Packers game still had hopes of being a game after it was long gone. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Greg Olson <laughs> basically capping for Mike McCarthy to stay employed by Jerry Jones. I hear, I hear what Troy is saying. 
Like for for some of these, like for for Philadelphia, yeah, your season is yeah just as bad as some of these teams that didn't make the playoffs because you just got to play one extra game. But you got to put more context, better better thought into it. So with that in mind, I'll go with Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson because I don't like them as much as I like Troy Aikman. <laughs> I think Bitno and nine eight zero. I haven't seen anybody agree with what Troy Aikman said except for a nine eight zero number that's just wrote in. I disagree. Having all the hype to lose a wild card weekend would piss me off more. No way. I, I, I you can't. There's no way. Yeah, I, I, mean, can, I can see what he's saying a little bit. Because like, let's just say, let's just say San Francisco loses Saturday night. Let's you're not be, say it's happening, baby. Yeah, right, well, <laughs> I've already seen the future. What's that five? What's that five? I've lost okay. count. If that happened this weekend, to me, that would be, I would sit there and probably be like, man, I'd rather just go 2-15. and 15 Cool, let's switch then. <laughs> cool. Okay. Let's right. switch. I mean, and, and this, this this is apples to oranges. As someone who's rooted for a team that hasn't made the Super Bowl in 30 years, I always argue and say I'd rather not make the Super Bowl than get there and watch my team lose. Like, I cannot imagine me and you, Walker, who's watched the Panthers lose it twice, or you, Wes, who's watched – your team lose it twice. Like I'd rather lose in the wild card round, the divisional round, than get all the way there and watch my team come up short. This, I'm glad you bring this up. This conversation has had so many times about that 2015 team. Yeah. We, we've lived some version of what Troy Aikman is saying by being 15 and one, rolling, not rolling past Seattle. Seattle made it a game in the second half, but it was 30 nothing. Right, you rolled past it, uh, Arizona. That was just a. We didn't even care about them. Mm -hmm. get, get out of our way. They were a speed bump on the way to the Super Bowl. Once you get there, though, a lot of hype. Denver had a great defense, but Carolina was 15-1. and one. Their offense was number one in the league. They yeah. had the best linebacker duo in the league, and then it was an ugly game. Yeah, people didn't jump on the ball. It, they, that's true. Right, so we have to live with that. We have to live with you bringing that up. <laughs> we have to live with me. Yeah. randoms. That's right. Kick <laughs> But everybody looks back on that season now. And remembers it so fondly compared to what we're living in currently. Everyone does. People talk about how special of a season it was. And it was a painful loss. Yeah. Crazy painful. But everybody would take a 15-1 and one season without a Super Bowl compared to 2-15. and 15, Especially when you add on no first round pick. I'd... When people say this, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you what you want. Okay? Like, I can't speak for a lot of people. I'm going to speak for y'all right now. You don't want this. You do not want this every year compared to a Super Bowl team that loses the championship. You're always going to choose that one if you're in the right mind. We've been sick for too long, Wes. You're yeah. sickos, okay? Especially for the people that also pull for the Hornets. We're too sick in the head to really try to figure out, well, I'd rather do this than get to the Super Bowl. Y'all are crazy. No, you don't. <laughs> All right, well, when we come back, man, we're going to close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
You're listening to the Smooth Jazz Hour on Wes and Walker. <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for listening to all the smoothest music in the Queen the City, baby. That is Black Star, Talib Kweli, and Most Def. Coming to you live on 92.7 FM. Troy Aikman talking crazy out here. <laughs> Could you imagine a dude on a quiet storm doing sports talk? That would I I almost would listen to it. That would be great. I don't know I don't know how much I would think about him and giving him. I couldn't giving, take it seriously. Him giving rough takes in a smooth voice. He'd be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Troy yeah. Aikman talking about. I like that what idea. He said what he said. Two and fifteen compared to the Super Bowl, baby. You crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Got that baby in there to make it smooth, baby. Are you kidding me? Anyway, now it's time for some keys. I can't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Oh, it's Wesson Walker closing up shop. Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. Now somebody that is not smooth at all. You could describe him a bunch of different ways, but you can't describe him as smooth. Scott Farrell, y'all love him. Yes. You and Fiddy, that's something you bond over. One of your favorite radio personalities. Uh, apparently, he was talking about Troy Aikman's comment that we were just discussing. And he was saying Troy Aikman was crazy, just not in the smooth jazz type of way. He was talking about that. And then he was uh, mostly, though, he dedicated a good portion of the show to ripping Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart, though, for what they for what they were saying uh, during the game, trying to keep people interested in Dallas and Green Bay. And he brought up when... Greg said, uh, be careful, things happen fast in this league. And he said how they were counting possessions and trying to see. Uh, and then I think he said when it was, I think when Dallas scored after Green Bay had scored over 40 and he was like, uh, this makes things interesting. And he was just ripping them. Just going Pharrell crazy. just doesn't, there's no low ground with him. There's no chill. He's going to rip you to the fullest degree that he can on the radio. This is going to hurt a lot of people, and I've waited now till Wednesday to relay it. Olsen was brutal to listen to for three hours on Sunday. Oh, no, not Greg. It was, and maybe it's because he went on like a three-minute soliloquy saying that Mike McCarthy should not be fired, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. And part of it was because the game wasn't great. Well, how much of it, too, was the fact that you're a Cowboys fan and he was defending the coach that you want to see gone? And, and I, I, do, I do think that was that was a part of it. I also think part of it that they had a 48-16 to 16 game in the middle of the third quarter. But uh, it was not their best showing as a booth in the playoffs. And, you know, and look, people were after were, were on Romo's case after the, the Bills and Steelers game on Monday. And then you saw Aikman have some rough moments because I think what it highlighted was wildcard weekend was kind of a dud. You oh, said, no, it was. You oh, take yeah. away yeah, the Rams and the Lions game. It was just kind of a dud. And it's why people argued against expansion, because. There typically aren't seven teams worth competing in each conference for a championship. Well, and we've seen some really good wild card games before, but you're right. It was a dud this weekend for the most part. The, the real conversation I wanted to get to, though, I wanted to bring up Scott Farrell because, Fiddy, I know you love him. What you Again, you guys love Scott Farrell, yeah. both you and Wes do. First radio guy that made me want to be a radio guy. You also called into a show and got through a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I need to know about this experience, what you called him for, and what his reaction was to whatever you said. I called him on a Thursday night after Carolina beat Duke in football on the road um, to get the bell back. And this was prime Cutcliffe Duke. Okay, so like what year was this? 2014, 
2014. 20- oh, this is a while ago. Yeah. And uh, this was at the time when Larry Fedora was a hot coaching commodity. And the Florida job was being open. And I called Pharrell and asked him. I was like, Pharrell, do I need to be worried that my head coach at the time was a big Larry guy? Loved him. Don't need to be worried that the visor is going to Gainesville. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you down there, Josh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ain't no way in hell the Florida Gators are hiring some guy with the name of a hat. <laughs> that sounds like exactly that is, something that he would say. That delivered as much as I wanted it to. What was the other? Did, you said you had one other call. Was it just a question to no, him? I think there was one time I would just I sat on hold because he's a popular nighttime host. Yeah. Have I ever told you how I discovered him? Do tell. So, summer of my senior year of high school, I'm going through the radio dial on my old radio, and there used to be a station that carried CBS Sports on the FM dial. I don't remember what station it was in South Carolina, and I hear this man just going in on Jason Kidd being the Bucks head coach, and I'm I don't I don't know why the hell he got the job. What does that guy know about coaching? Pretty he was a great point guard, but doesn't mean you can coach and just <laughs> destroying Jason Kidd. And I'm like, who was this old fogey on the radio? And then I go and look it up, and he's like mid forties, early fifties. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and from that moment on, was hooked. You used to listen to a show 10 a 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. I used to drag my ass to to, to, to community college. On four hours of sleep listening to this man's radio show. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that he's been around for so long. He was uh, ripping people, as he always does, because he was talking about Peter Schrager. And he was like, that he made him? He was like, I made that guy. And he said, now he doesn't talk to me. He said, now he doesn't talk to me anymore. That he, Now that he's at NFL Network, he said, I was there for 16 years. I was like, God, where has he not worked? Well, uh, this is I wanted to transition to you because yeah. you said you called a radio show one time and got through. Tell yeah. us about that experience. I called in the Colin Cowherd show, man, when he was on um, ESPN Radio. Probably, I, I think he had, I think he was still on ESPN. But I had called him about John Wall when John Wall was throwing up the gang signs uh, during the game after he had gotten a play, and I was saying how that white people were oblivious to gang culture. And when I brought it up to Colin, like he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He said, yep, you got it. He said, it sure is, because TNT had put out a stupid tweet after he made the play, and they was like, John Wall, so, like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they was like, John Wall's so nasty that he's he's talking in sign language, and I'm like, how stupid can y'all be? I said, this man is clearly stacking gang signs after he just made that play, and y'all don't have a clue what he is doing. Wait, I need I need to look this up. We don't have any time today. I I was like, y'all are so. Have you ever attempted to look this up on YouTube? I I don't. I know that wasn't the game. Call. Well, just yeah. A phone call. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we at least if we don't have it on YouTube out there, I'm sure it's in an archive somewhere, because that seems like that would elicit a reaction from people. Yeah. If Colin Cowherd is out there reacting to some caller calling in to tell everybody they don't know about gang culture. White people don't know about gang culture. Yeah. I would love to hear Colin's response to that. Yeah, man. It was pretty cool. He, he agreed with me 100% because you know he would always go in on John Wall and so he agreed with me 100%. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You guys excellent calls. You Listen, guys were man, born to do this. We, we <laughs> really never, were. We you never really called were. into a radio, radio show? Radio baby. Never did. Really? I couldn't see Walker doing that. I, I couldn't see that being Walker's style. Yeah, I mean, well, you're right, honestly, because I never did. It's not a bad thing. I yeah. just don't think that he would. Yeah. No, I never did. But you guys, i that's a lot to live up Radio to. Radio babies, man. Both of you. You All sleep right. under Pac-Man's uh, control, control board.
Did he know about it? Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. my mom was the receptionist up there, so I used to go with her when I had, you know, with your mom. No, it's a joke. mom, yeah. so I got to be up there with her sometimes. And so I'd no. be in there chilling I, with just, them and just to be and clear, everything. Just to be clear, that was clearly a joke. I didn't think no, that no, you were. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, surprising Pac-Man. I was just giving more context. I'm taking yeah. your job later on. Yeah. I didn't think that. <laughs> it's Wesley Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it right here. The smooth jazz hour ends on Wesley right, Walker. Listen to Kyle Bailey, Blue Chew Bailey. I coming up am a baby-making machine. With Smoke Ludwig. Yeah. 92.7 FM. 92, man. Join us tomorrow.